Hello everyone, I am Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 209 of Weekly Poker Hand, and today we have a doozy. We are playing a bomb pot. For those who do not know, a bomb pot is when everyone puts in some random amount of money before the flop, a random but predetermined amount of money before the flop, and they all go to the flop. So here, we're playing 510 at Stone's Gambling Hall. Everyone put in 50 bucks, and we see the flop. I have played my fair share of... Um, these bomb pots, and they're a lot of fun. They definitely test multi-way post-flop skills, which most people don't have very many of. So typically, things to keep in mind are usually ranges to get in become much stronger, and hands like top pair often shrivel up because instead of normally not thinking, like let's say on this flop of king eight six, you're not so worried about your opponents having eight six or king six. Now they just have all of those in their range because they all had to call and see the flop. So again, everyone put in $50 before the flop, they run a flop, and now play proceeds as normal. So let's take a look around the table and see what everyone has. Small blind Daniel has 10-7 of clubs on king, eight, six, two clubs. So he has a flush draw and a gut shot. That's a really good hand and often worthy of being played very aggressively because even if he's against a strong hand like two pair, he still has plenty of equity. Um, let's see. Big Blind has nothing. The player under the gun, Ellie, has eight six of hearts for two pair. Bottom two pair. Bottom two pair is usually a good hand, especially if you can get it heads up quickly. But, like, let's say somehow you bet in four people call and then turn some random card. You definitely have to be cautious. But eight six is a pretty good hand. Um, JD has top pair, king three. That's a spot, a hand where if it goes, like, bet call or bet raise... He should definitely be getting out of the way, even against a bet and a call. Like, let's say Daniel decides to leave with his good draw and Ellie decides to call. Just fold your top pair bad kicker. You are in such bad shape. And then um, everyone else has nothing. The cutoff has bottom pair with a backdoor flush draw, but that's also nothing. Um, I kind of predict here Daniel should bet. If he does not bet, though, Ellie should definitely bet. If Daniel does bet with his good draw, I think Ellie should probably go ahead and raise. I know we're talking about a lot of hypotheticals here. But it's always important to think about all the hypotheticals. Over at my training site, pokercoaching.com, we go through how to play your whole range in lots of various scenarios to try to teach you to think about these scenarios away from the table so that you are not lost whenever you find yourself in these spots at the table. So anyway, I like thinking about how things will play out in various situations depending on ranges, the way people bet, etc. Like right here, if Daniel decides to bet $400 into the $400 pot, that's very different than if he bets $150 into the $400 pot. And you need to think ahead to determine how to address that scenario. So anyway, Daniel bets $150 out of his $1,700 stack. And now Ellie has to decide if he wants to call or raise. When facing this small bet, I definitely like a raise. When your opponent bets small, if you call... They're essentially giving themselves very good pot odds. He's putting in 150 bucks into a pot that's going to go up to 700. So if he like ever wins this pot, it's not so good for you. Also, calling lets everyone else behind stick around as well. If Ellie did call this, I think JD probably should call for 150 with his top pair no kicker. But I imagine Ellie's going to raise. And if I'm going to raise here, I'm going to make it something like 600 with the idea of folding. May sound crazy. If someone yet to act shoves or re-raises, and if Daniel decides to go all in with his draw, I would I would call. Um, it's, it's very important to realize that when Daniel bets and Ellie raises, 
if someone yet to act who is not putting money in the pot yet, besides the $50 bomb pot money, if someone yet to act shoves, top two pairs often not in great shape. But if it gets back to Daniel and his heads up, you're usually going to be fine enough. So let's see what Ellie does. Ellie is getting out raising chips and he makes it, doesn't look like very much. Look like 350. He does make it 350. For those wondering how I'm saying it looks like 350, I'm actually watching these hands. You can make, you can watch weekly poker hand over at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash WPH. So he did make it 350, everyone folds. And now back to Daniel, he has to put in 200 more to see the turn into a pot that's going to be, gosh, I guess about 1100 or so. Or he could shove all in. And I actually think he should shove all in by calling. Think about what's gonna happen. If um, Ellie does have top pair, he's going to allow him to almost certainly be able to get to the showdown, which is not really good, right? You want top pairs to perhaps fold. If you jam here for an additional $1,400, top pair, especially if it doesn't have a good kicker, is very likely to consider folding, which would be great for Daniel. Also, if Ellie happens to have a draw, like let's say queen nine of clubs, or maybe even ace x of clubs, he's gonna consider folding that too, which would be a huge success because you have the 10 eye flush draw. Now, if you think Ellie is literally never folding when he raises the flop, then it makes a lot of sense to not shove. But I would be kind of surprised if Ellie is raising in this spot and legitimately never or at least rarely folding to an all-in. Because an all-in is big here. This is a play that I think a lot of people do not make very often at all. You don't see too many bet, raise, jam all-ins on the flop. And when you do, usually it's two very, very strong hands getting it in against each other. Um, but here, depending on Ellie's strategy, Daniel should either call very happily or he should shove very happily. I typically lean towards shoving in this spot just because imagine you call and then Ellie just jams the turn, right? Pot's going to be like about 1,100, like I said, and Daniel's only going to have... Uh, 1500 behind imagine Ellie just shoves the turn like he probably should do then Daniel's like has to fold out a lot of equity right and that's a bit of a disaster so to sidestep that and to get whatever fold equity you have on the flop I like an all-in for Daniel for his $1,700 stack he does pretty quickly call though turns of four spades kind of interesting now um Daniel now has a gut shot as well like I said, pot is, I think the pot's 1100, maybe it's 1300. I'm waiting for the graphics to catch up, I think. Daniel elected to check, and I think he should just go all in. He should lead all in on this turn. This is a spot where he could definitely have the 7-5, especially 7-5 with a club draw. And if he did have that, he would like to lead because you really would not like to let a hand like king-queen check behind. But... Um, I'm not exactly sure he would lead with the nuts because I guess you do want to let those random pairs and the random bluffs bet. I'm trying to find a way for him to get fold equity. It's very important. With your draws, you don't want to be just check calling off. You want to be looking for ways to get fold equity. And that often means raising and re-raising when you have the opportunity. And when you don't have that opportunity and you think if you check your opponent's very likely to bet big, as I do think is going to happen here a lot, you should consider leading all in because that makes it hard for your opponent to lead all in with their king queens and whatnot for basically value slash protection. So anyway, he checks and Ellie just snap goes all in, <laughs> which I don't really mind. I mean, a four is not a particularly great card for him, but what's he going to do? And now back to Daniel and he has to fold. He is going to win this hand about 25 or 30% of the time. 
And based on the pot odds, the East wins like 36% of the time or something like that. To figure out the exact number, you take how much the pot would be if Daniel called, which would be 4,000, and you divide 1,500, the bet, divided by 4,000. Let's get out my handy-dandy calculator. Whoa, was 1,500 divided by 4,000? Calculator. Actually, it's 4,100. Might as well be precise. He needs to win 36, 37% of the time. Um, I know the graphics on the screen say he's going to win about 25% of the time, but he doesn't know all the dead cards. It's probably going to be closer to something like 30% of the time. And 30% is not 36%, so he has to fold. And he never even gets to see the river. As you see, had he jammed the flop, he would have gotten called. But even then, in this somewhat bad scenario against two pair, he still has plenty of equity. He has the nine flush cards and three additional gut shots, plus random backdoor trip draws. And that is worth something. It's probably about 40% equity. And 40% uh, is a lot. And here, he only got to realize half of it because he was unwilling to take the very aggressive line. Also, it's a very important point. If you're only jamming on the flop with your premium hands, like sets and two pairs, and not jamming your draws, especially your draws with little showdown value like this one, when you do jam, it's very obvious to your opponents that you have the nuts, the, the made hand nuts. And that's going to allow your opponents to easily fold stuff like king-queen because they can raise the flop confidently thinking if you call, you're often in bad shape. But if you jam, then my king-queen that I raised the flop with is in horrible shape. Now, in this scenario, clearly, I don't think Ellie was going anywhere. He raised the flop, he was going to call the shove, and that was going to be that. But again, even then, in that worst case scenario, or bad scenario, Daniel still has plenty of equity. So I think Daniel misplayed this hand a bit. If he did decide to just call the flop raise, because maybe he thinks Ellie is never ever folding to a um, to a flop shove, then I think he played it fine, because then you just have to fold the turn to the big bet. But it's very important with your draws, you want to look for fold equity. And I don't think Daniel did it in this spot. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you all very much for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. That is by far the most beneficial thing you can do for me. And um, if you have not already, sign up for my poker site, my training site, pokercoaching.com. There I have tons of quizzes where we go in-depth and discuss how to play your range in various scenarios. And right here, I can promise you, if I had the 10-7 of clubs, I would have been all in on the flop. Thanks for watching. Good luck in your games. And I'll talk to you next week.